the addition of James Harden, although some people might see it as, you know, adding a top 10 player to the, to the team, taking away from Joel Embiid, maybe even lessening his MVP case. But honestly, I just don't see it. Hello and welcome to the Friday, March 11th edition of the TV on Basketball Podcast with your host, TV. Hope you're having a fantastic day and thank you for clicking on to watch or listen to today's episode. Before we start, I do have to plug my other platforms. Remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok for updates on the podcast and for other great content. If you're on YouTube, remember to like, share, and subscribe and hit the notification bell. That would be highly, highly appreciated. And for my podcast listeners, remember to subscribe and leave a review if you're on Apple and for my Spotify and for my Spotify anchor and Podbean listeners, just continue to show, to show your support in any way possible. That would be highly, highly appreciated. In today's episode, we're gonna be focusing a lot around this crazy MVP race that's happening this season. I mean, there's like this three-man race, and honestly, I haven't been this high for an MVP race probably since the Westbrook Harden one back in like what was it, 2017. So we're gonna focus a lot on that. We're gonna be talking about whether the Timberwolves are for real or not, because right now they're actually playing really well. So we're gonna be talking a lot about them, and of course, we're gonna be ending off this episode with other news and notes. Not as many topics this week, but we are focusing heavily, and I mean heavily, on the MVP race. But yeah, thank you guys for all the support. Thank you for coming back, watching this um, this episode, maybe even listening to it if you're on the podcast channels. I really do appreciate all of you. It's going to be a fantastic episode. I'm excited to talk some more NBA basketball, especially because we are basically one month away from the playoffs. So you know the content is going to rise. You know the, you know the end of season awards are going to come very soon. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to be an awesome, awesome, you know, playoffs. Everything about it is going to be just so great. And we're coming into the end of the season. There's a lot to talk about. I'm excited to talk about all of it. So, yeah, without further ado, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna stop myself from rambling even too long. Let's get into these. Let's get into this episode. Let's get right into it. And we're gonna be talking about the MVP race in depth in, in this episode. And really, what we what I really want to look at the um the MVP race is that the top three has been solidified for a while now. With the rotating start spots of four and five, which I'll get into a bit later, but I really want to go into each of these guys' MVP case, and these this main three. I mean, what's funny is that earlier on in the season we were like it has to be either KD or Steph. That was like the two man race at the beginning of the year, and now like at this point in the season, we got a three man race where two of the guys were actually top MVP candidates last year, and of course we got. One guy who has been constantly in those discussions over the last four or five years. And let's see the case for all of them. Because, like I said, the number four and five spots, they're always rotating. There's always like someone who's going to have that huge stretch of games. And they're the ones who are going to take over those four and five spots. But in my opinion, no matter who are in those four and five spots, they're not going to do enough in this final month of the season where there's like, what, 15 games remaining? They're not going to do anything that, that's going to reach these three guys. And let's get into them. The first guy I want to talk about here, um, the, and then again, I might give my rankings at the end of this, but I'm going to just give them their case first. The first one I want to talk about is Giannis. Giannis Atetokounmpo is, I feel like I say this every, we say this every year with Giannis, 
he's just having another like ridiculous season. If you look at the last four years, I know he won. I think uh, yeah, he won the MVP in 2019, and he won back to back, winning one in 2020, and those were fantastic years. But even in this year, he is having a career high in points, 29, almost 30 points a game. He's averaging six assists, 11 rebounds though. He's um, decent at the free throw, and I think he's like 70-something percent, 72%. And, of course, he is just dominating on the inside with still having that huge defensive impact. The Bucks right now, third and second in the East. The defensive impact hasn't really been there, but they still have one of the best offensive teams in the league, led by Mr. Giannis Antetokounmpo. And for me, the, the Giannis' case here is that he's like one of the best teams in the East, and he's just, he just, you could just tell when he's on the court that it's his game. And I think you could say it for the rest of these three, but he, like, he, he, we kind of just got numb to him just dominating, which I don't want to, like, take anything away from Giannis. Just because, like, it just kind of feels like LeBron, especially in the early 2010s, mid-2010s, like, mid-2010s, where you just, like, are just a cousin to dominance. You're like, you know what, a 30-10 and 5 game. Not that impressive. Maybe it's just like, is this just like a regular day at the office? Like, we have to really think about this. Like, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous what Giannis is putting up. For There's a lot of, like, there was a lot of um, news around Charles Oakley saying he would not dominate um, in the game in the 90s when he was around and he's, like, roughing him up. Nah, this guy is just an athletic freak. We call him the Greek freak for a reason. And he is, like, he, when he's out there on the court, you just know like he demands so much attention and he just has this thing about him where no matter what you have to do like no matter like who is like out there for the bucks you have to focus him him on number 1 and the other guys you would honestly at this point you would just let them like go like go ahead and like win it for them and you could see that in a case where a couple weeks ago where it was the Bucks taking on the Suns. And they took away Giannis in the second half. I think he only had two points. But then he relied on the other guys and they were able to step up. Giannis has garnered that attention. And he like some if some people want to say that he is the best player in the league, I would not argue. Because of his impact on both sides of the court. And the fact that he's been like producing at such a high level. The, like for the last four years, I mean, he could possibly win the the scoring title this year, which he hasn't done yet in his career. He is just an amazing player, and I don't like again, just like him, like dominating these last four years. I don't want to like take anything away from how like special his production has been, because just because we're used to it, we we, we can't fall into that trap the same way we've been falling into that trap for LeBron, same thing we did for all these other guys. He, it's amazing. It's amazing nonetheless. And at this point, he has honestly top 15 all-time project, projection. He might win honestly one or two, two like two MVPs in his career, maybe another title. And who knows? He might even rack up a few defensive player of the years. But with the way like he like he's with the Bucks, he, they have a great team around him. They're set. They're just a, their team is set. And honestly, no matter where they place in the East, whether it's number two, whether it's number three, number four. Because it's probably gonna fluctuate throughout the, ne- the next month. They're still gonna be like one of the bi- the biggest threats, and the biggest reason is this guy, the Greek freak, the guy who scored fifty points in a closeout game in the NBA Finals. But I just do not think that he. I'm not gonna say he has a case. He definitely has a case to win MVP. And the reason why I just don't think that he might not be number one is because of award fatigue. And the reason, like for like award fatigue, is that 
Giannis has just been dominating. He's always like part of like the. Of course, he's the part of the top echelon of guys, but discussions for MVP. He won NBA Finals MVP. I just the people who vote for it are just gonna have like fatigue about voting for Giannis like every single time, even though he might deserve it. He and maybe he does deserve it. Again, there's a case to be made for all three of these guys, but it's just a word fatigue. That <laughs> really just is. I mean, LeBron has suffered from it. There's been times where Shaq has in the past, um, but Giannis is that guy. He has to be like in the top three, to, like in, in my opinion, for this. And whether you can like he is number one, maybe he is, but I just don't think that he he'll win this year because honestly, it's just a stacked, stacked um, top three this year, and you can really go to either one of these three. Maybe Giannis is not there, but I'm gonna do my rankings a bit later. Next person I want to talk about, Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid this year, I mean, last year he was, I think, number two in um, MVP voting as well. But this year, he somehow has, like, even played better than last year, which is absolutely crazy because last year he averaged 28, 10, 3 assists. But this year he somehow got better, tied with Giannis for um, the scoring title. Um, he, even, like, the same, even more rebounds, even more assists. And a lot of that really, I think, helps, like, what really helped him out for this one is that there was no Ben Simmons early on in the season. And that, that's a big part of, like, why MB's case has been so good. Like, he's having, like, more production, has the same, has very good impact on both sides of the ball. His team is number three, and honestly, a lot of that has to do with him just being able to carry that team with Tobias Harris. I mean, they had Seth, Cur- Seth Curlier on, but he was able just to carry them. And they're just, and the thing is, like with the 76ers, is that they're not like exceptional on either side. Like they're not like they're like in the top half of both offense and defense. But they're just not like you know one of those guys. Like I talked about the Bucks earlier, they're not top three offense. Or if I talk about um, the Suns, who have like top five on both sides, no. But a lot of this has to do with Joel Embiid just dominating earlier on in the season, and doing enough to keep the 76ers afloat. Now bringing James Harden. And it's making his life a whole lot easier. And I think the addition of James Harden, although some people might see it as, you know, adding a top 10 player to the to the team, taking away from Joel Embiid, maybe even lessening his MVP case. But honestly, I just don't see it. I don't see it. Him having James Harden beside him just gives him, like, more room to operate. And just, like, gives him, like, more time. Just, to, like, just gives him, like, a better chance to dominate. Sure, it was it was bad yesterday. I mean, he was the only one that really showed up. Twenty seven points. He went to the free throw on freaking nineteen times, fifteen times in the first half. But apart from last game, that that connection between him and James Harden has been absolutely fantastic, and it's just making um, his life just a whole lot easier, being able to um, just get more space in the paint and dominate the way he has because he is he's a beast in the inside. Maybe his um maybe his mid range shot hasn't been like as effective as it was last year. I know he just has like a lower um, field goal percentage this year in general, but he's still dominant there. Still a very good three point shooter as well. Maybe it's still a bit lower than last year, but he just has that impact. And the way I mean, just looking at like just some of his like notable games this year, he had like a he has like I think like quite a number of forty point games this year. He has a fifty pointer, and. He just like feels like he just dominates in like whoever is like whoever is on the court standing across from him, no matter what. And he still has that defensive impact. And he's turning twenty eight in a couple of days, 
what's like helping him a lot here too is that out of these like 60 games or something that's been played he's played 50 something and i think that um barring any injuries i think he could still like play maybe 63 64 games maybe that's enough to win mvp who knows but he just like he just has like that impact he has like that dominance like in the league today he 100% deserves to be in the conversation honestly top 2 top 3 Wherever you want to put him, Joel Embiid has to be there. And it's funny because, like, him and the guy I'm going to talk about next, they were neck and neck in MVP both these years. But I really do think that if any year's a year that Joel Embiid's going to um, win it, it's probably going to be this year. And I can talk about Giannis about award fatigue. Joel doesn't have that. And I'm going to talk about the next guy. I mean, you obviously know who's going to be. But he hasn't won one. And I think. Him not having one um, in previous years, him not winning like a finals, a finals MVP, just because he hasn't really been, because he hasn't been there. This is his best chance because he hasn't won it. He has like the crazy stats to back up his play, and the team success is there. But him not having the the MVP helps him here because they're like, you know what, this guy hasn't won it yet. His like his stats are extremely, extremely comparable to the other guys um, he's up against. But maybe we can give him a chance this year. That's really something I think that's going to tilt a bit in his favor. And it's not like saying, like, oh, because, like, he maybe he's bad in this area, maybe we're just going to give him, like, a dome of bone here. No. He's just as, he's just as dominant. And the team that he has, like, that he's playing with is, like, playing at a very high level. Having home court advantage in the East. I think that Joel Embiid has a very, very good case to win MVP. But the last guy here. And I want to leave him to last because... He is the one guy in the West right now, and his case, like you, you could, you could 100%, you can 100% make the case for it because especially now, him and Joel Embiid have the same amount of wins, which is absolutely crazy. But my third and final, like fi- main three MVP candidate, has to be Nikola Jokic. It just 100% have to be Nikola Jokic. And what the thing about Nikola Jokic's team, the Denver Nuggets, is that compared to Giannis, where Giannis is number two in the East, Joel Embiid, who's number three in the East. The Nuggets are six. The Nuggets are six, and I know that sounds bad just listening to it like, here on the podcast. But what's crazy is that sixth place in the West, like it's it's the same amount of wins as the Bulls, the 76ers, and the Celtics. There's actually just look at the standings right now. One, two, three, four, five. Five teams have forty wins. Five teams have 40 wins, and that includes the Denver Nuggets, who are sitting sixth in the West, going up against the um, the 76ers with Embiid. They have they have 40 wins in the East, and and the Nuggets are only two games behind the um, Milwaukee Bucks in terms of wins as well. But talking to Cole Jokic, <laughs> losing Jamal Murray last year, losing Michael Porter after 10 games this year, people thought. The Denver Nuggets, they're not going to be competitive. They're not title contenders as long as those two guys are out. But the reason why they're still in the race, they're still, I think half they're half a game behind the Dallas Mavericks. They're only two games behind um, Utah for fourth. It's because of this man. <laughs> it's because of Nikola Jokic. And last year, for me, he, I won't say unanimous MVP, but he was the clear runaway MVP winner. And he was putting up ridiculous stats, as always, as Jokic does. But the thing about him this year is that somehow, some way, he's playing better. <laughs> he's playing better. And I, I, I don't know, like, 
how he's like how he just continues to deploy so well. I guess there's more opportunity. But even though he has like a less um monster game, same near the same amount of assists, same amount of rebounds, but there are more per se just dominant Jokic performances. And the thing about Jokic is that he is such a hard guard in the league because one, just like Embiid, just like Giannis, he can dominate in the paint. He could dominate like whoever is his offensive matchup. But with Jokic, sorry, I said Jokic, Jokic, when you double team him, when you put extra pressure on him, he is one of the best passers in the league. And it doesn't matter if you send a double team, triple team, he just knows how to find the open guy. And it's really a pick your poison with Jokic. That's why he's averaging six assists in his career, eight assists this year. He just knows, like, and his teammates know around him. When he has the ball, just move around. Get into the open spots because he will find you. And he's, like, and him, like, being able to do that, I think adds a whole other element to um, the center position, just his game in general. And I think that honestly makes him at this point in the, like, in the league, the most like complete offensive player that we have someone who's like this good passing the ball shooting the ball scoring like as an all-around offensive player he has to be up there and he again playing at an mvp level and just like last year i mean he has missed a few games i know last year he was the iron man in the league played the full what was it 72 games he's gonna play 70 plus games again this year and I think that's really going to help his case because he just knows how to stay in the court. Availability is the best kind of ability. But Jokic this year, man, I mean, he, like, just looking at just some of his, like, crazy performances, like, the other, like, week, he had a 46-point game against the, the New Orleans Pelicans, which went to overtime, which went to overtime. But he scored 30 points in the, in the overtime and fourth quarter periods. Him able to just... 60 for 22 from field goal, 3 out of 5 from 3. Him having 4 blocks, 3 steals. This guy is even like solid on the defensive end. Now he doesn't have the same impact as a Joel Embiid or as a Giannis Antetokounmpo. But Jokic has a good defensive impact. He is not a liability. He is not a, li- a liability on the defensive end. He's just on the next, like he's just on a completely like another level right now. Which is crazy because I thought maybe last year was like kind of peak Jokic. You can honestly um, say the fact that he um, had he's having another type of like peak sort of year this year of his career, which is absolutely crazy. And again, no Jamal Murray, no Michael Porter Jr. That is helping his case right now because the team that he has around him, like without him, honestly, would be the worst team in the league, in my opinion. Take away Jokic, you have a team led by Bones Highland, Will Barton. Again, no Jamal Murray, no Michael Porter Jr. Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon. No, no, no. Jokic makes that team work. Without him, they just cannot. Honestly, they'll be the worst team in the league. And I think that's literally my big argument for him. Giannis, he's got the team success out of these top three. And be just as dominant. He doesn't have an MVP yet. That could be his, like, honestly, his biggest case. But Jokic doing it um, without his two best players his two best supporting castmates, and still being able to hold the Nuggets into the sixth seed, someone who can possibly go even higher. It's honestly just a testament to how great he is, and honestly, he should be there um, as a top three MVP candidate. But as of right now, who do, how do I rank these guys in top three? Number three, I got Giannis, just because 
again, forward fatigue is not gonna is is, is gonna is a big is gonna be a, a big thing for him. But he is. I mean, he's still being dominant. The Bucks are there. It's more of an underwhelming season for the Bucks more than I. I'm not gonna say even underwhelming because they're number two in the East. But I don't know. Just something about like it just feels like ordinary, which is weird. But Giannis, like his like season, like him having a dominant season, we're used to it. But he has the MVP on like two MVPs under his belt. That's why I have him number three. Number two, it's really tough because Embiid and Jokic, both dominant centers, two of the best centers in the league. Who's gonna be number one? Who's gonna be number two in, in MVP? You can really flip back and forth, really, because both these guys are just gonna have awesome night over awesome night. And it's weird for me because I literally like flip flop every like week. But at number two at the moment I have, I <laughs> think maybe it has to do with the 76ers loss yesterday, Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid for me is number two. Still great impact on both ends. Again, he's been held, like he's been relatively healthy, so I think that's going to help his case as well for trying to um, win MVP. But I just think that um, Jokic just has a just a bigger impact. And like I said, that's why I have Jokic number one. Him having no Jamal Murray, no Michael Porter Jr., two guys that can probably score 20 points per game, removing that from your team, removing 40, 40 points, and making sure everyone still eats, making sure he gets his shots off, him take over games. He's doing it. He's doing it at an extremely high level. And I just can't believe it. Honestly, he's, honestly, he looks like he's just playing playing better than last year. What would help him for sure is maybe if it looks more aesthetically pleasing, him being around the fourth, maybe maybe, yeah, maybe around the fourth seed, that would be ideal for him. But even still, like him being able to do more with less and him being probably the most like complete offensive player in the league, for me, takes him over Embiid. Um... Yeah, for MVP, honestly. It, it's really close. It's really close. Even if you add Giannis in the mix, it's really, really close. That's why no matter who you're going to have in top four, top five MVP, four and five doesn't is not going to um, catch up to any of these guys. No chance. Speaking of number four and five, so yeah, no. Before we move on to four and five, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, that is my ranking. Now we talk about the four and five spots. And honestly, I'm not going to say like, who are my four and five. I just want to acknowledge those that who have been in the conversation uh, for 4 and 5, and just how much it's rotating. CB3, before he got injured, honestly had a case for 4 or 5. Another great year. Him being, like, was healthy for like, a good chunk of it. The Suns being the by far the best team in the league. I think they're eight and a half games over everyone else in the league, which is pretty insane. But he had a case. John Morant, the fact that the Grizzlies are number two right now, and the way that he is, like, dominating the league right now, Taking that next step, he deserves to be 100% in the MVP race. But you know, so jaw for MVP. You know, you know how it goes. Um, Steph Curry, like I mentioned earlier, he was in the mix. The Warriors kind of like falling off a bit, but Draymond Green should be back next year. Maybe he can make a late push. I don't think he'll get into the top three though. KD before his injury, even right now he's been playing absolutely phenomenal. But the thing is, the Brooklyn Nets are eighth. But definitely early on in the season, he had that case. Luca right now, the, the maps are number five ahead of the Denver Nuggets. He is back to his MVP self after a slow start. He deserves, honestly, he's putting up MVP level numbers as well. He just has not as much, like, love there for sure. Um, next um, next one, um, Jason Tatum. Mostly because of the Boston Celtics run right now. They have 40 wins themselves. T- um, only one game behind the Philadelphia 76ers. 
but Tatum having a, like a like a fantastic year, especially post All Star break, that is like definitely giving him some more love. Twenty six points a game, four rebounds, eight assists. Phenomenal player. Even um, someone who was there earlier on the season, but has kind of like thought of the um, of the talks as well. Demar Derozan. Demar Derozan has to be like, in that conversation as well. Twenty eight five and five, fifty percent from the field. He should be mentioned here too, but. I, I think like, he kind of like f- fell out of the 4-5. I mean, it just keeps rotating and rotating, which makes this, honestly, this MVP race so, so fun to watch just because there's so many guys that are having MVP-level seasons. But honestly, even like with all the guys, my, guys I mentioned, I to- like I said earlier, they're not going to touch touch the top three. But yeah, those are a lot of guys I discussed. Let me know who down below, who, are you, who is your MVP so far this season. I just can't wait to see because there's a whole camp. I think like most people are divided between Jokic and Embiid. I want to see which guys of this spectrum you are. I'm Team Jokic. I want to see if there's anyone else who um, thinks the same way. Or do you, if I want to hear people from the Embiid side as well. Next topic I want to go to before we go into other news and notes. I want to talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves. Because if you remember earlier on in the season when I had um, the Hoop Talk. When I was talking about the Hoop Talk. I don't you know. No, this is what it was. I was on the Hoop Talk podcast earlier on this season, and I was talking about how potentially if the if the Timberwolves don't take the next step this year, if they're still out of the playing picture, they might have to look to trade Carl Anthony Towns. And I said that it would be the, it would be very much of the Timberwolves to kind of f up this situation where you got Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and D'Angelo Russell finally all healthy together, and they would still squander this opportunity. It looked bad earlier on; they were out of the playing picture, but. As the season progressed, they are now nine games over 500, and they are the seventh seed. And look, I had my doubts. I had my doubts. I think they, I thought they were going to be a playing team. I thought they would think they would be number 10 this year. But they have exceeded my expectations, and honestly, I'm very happy for this team. Last year was really tough for the Timberwolves, especially because Carl Anthony Towns had to go a lot because he did lose his mom to COVID and a lot of other family members as well. So I think it was just a tough year for him in general. I had a feeling he's going to have a bounce back year, and honestly, he's having a fantastic year. So far, 24 points a game, 4 assists, almost 10 rebounds, 50, 40, 81 in terms of shooting splits. And he's honestly having an all-NBA level um, NBA level season. Him being an all-star this year, he has been a huge part to why the Timberwolves has been so great. And what's crazy is that I talked about how Embiid, his team was 10th in offensive rating, 14th in defensive rating. The Timberwolves are actually near top 10 in both, which is something you cannot say for previous years of the team. Right now, they're 7th and 11th, respectively, offensive and defensive rating. And what I think the biggest change for them this year, and I think I've, I've noticed this especially on their current six-game um, winning streak, is that they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. If you look at their um, six um, wins right now, like six-game winning streak, not very impressive. The Cavs, good team, but again, they're missing a lot of guys, and I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think Jared Allen did not play that game. Actually, no, I think he did. I th- no, Jared Allen did play that game, but yeah, so that was a good win. They beat the Warriors, but they were like struggling a lot. But in the last four wins, two to the Thunder, two to, two to the Trailblazers, beating them by a combined, I think, like 192 points. I think that's what I saw on Twitter, which is absolutely crazy. But yeah, back to the point. In previous years, when you look at the stretch of games, the Thunder, the Blazers, the Blazers, and the Thunder, if you look at last year's Timberwolves team, you'd be like, how are they going to have this up? They're probably going to split it when they really should have won all four. 
And this year they've won all four, and all by con- all in convincing fashion. And that's really a huge change for me for the Timberwolves is that they're looking at their opponents and they just step on their throats when they know they're the better team. They know they have the offensive firepower, especially in those top three guys. They tr- they they know that they're supposed to win and they go out and deliver. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, I, I mentioned his stats, but Anthony Edwards having a great year, 21-3-4. D'Angelo Russell averaging 17 points, um, sorry, 19.4 um, seven assists. And the defensive effort, honestly, comes through just a lot of the periphery guys. Those three are the offensive firepower, but when you got people like Jaden McDaniels, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, Territorian Prince, Nas Reed, Jalen Noel, all these guys contributing to the defensive end, someone there, like, people that they can, like, kind of, like, muck it up with on the other side. That's been extremely important to this team, and that's why they're getting a lot of wins, and, and in convincing fashion. Because, yes, they do struggle with the top teams. Yes, they might, especially in the first round, if they get out of the playing tournament, they they might even, like, be a first-round exit. But in order, but just them being a playoff team is a huge plus, and them being the teams they're supposed to beat, having good records against them, is the reason why a lot of teams are playoff playing team playoff teams. I mean, you see how the Bulls are. They're like out of the top seven teams in the East. I think they're like one and twelve, so not in the East, but in the league. Like the Bulls are one and twelve against the top seven teams in the league, but they're beating up on the on the teams they're supposed to be. That's why they're so high up in the standings. And it's the same thing here for the Minnesota Timberwolves. You got to beat the bad teams to get a good record, and that's why they're honestly a a play on a playoff team right now. Honestly, with the way that they're playing, you'd be surprised that they're the seven seed. But it's just the Dallas Mavericks, the Nuggets, and the Jazz have been so good this season. They're not, they're not really budging on their position. So, right now, the Timberwolves are like two games behind of the Nuggets. I guess there's still a chance. But honestly, if I had to say, they'd be the um, the seventh seed um, for sure. But yeah, 30-29 and 29 record. Chris Finch has, has had these guys playing an extremely high level. And I'm just happy for him. I'm happy for him. They haven't made. They basically only made the playoffs um, with um, Jimmy Butler. I think that was like the one time in like the last like 15, 17 years or something like that that they made the playoffs. And this year they're probably gonna make it. I really do think so. They think they're even like a like a whole like other level above like the Clippers and the Lakers and the Pelicans and all that. The Timberwolves are a good team. And at this point I gotta throw my hands up and say, you know what, Timberwolves? You're proving me wrong right now. I just wanna see them in the playoffs. I just wanna see how Cat and and Diego play, play in the playoffs. Because no matter who they first in the face in the first round, it's going to be hard to deal with that Timberwolves offense 100%. But, yeah, honestly, they look for real for me. Let me know what you guys think down below about the Minnesota Timberwolves so far this season. Before we end today's episode, we're going to be going into other news and notes. Let's talk about the Ben Simmons return yesterday where the Brooklyn Nets absolutely trashed the Philadelphia 76ers 129-100. to The only good thing for the 76ers this, um, this game was... That James Harden passed Reggie Miller for um, for number three on the all-time scoring list. So now he is in the top three with Ray Allen only, I think, 400 threes ahead of him. And Steph Curry, of course, I think 600, 700 threes, but he's still going. Crazy, crazy for Steph, uh, for James Harden to be in that list. But, you know, he takes a lot of them. He hits a lot of them. Um, that's, uh, that's great for him. But, yeah, just a tough game for the 76ers. The Brooklyn Nets absolutely dominated from quarter one. And the 76ers just could not come back. Of course, there are a bunch of Ben Simmons chants going. You know, Ben Simmons sucks, all that good stuff, some profanity. Only one fan I think I heard like was like taking it too far 
they had to remove him from the seat and actually have him escorted out of the arena. But besides that, it wasn't too bad. This, the broadcast didn't even mention him too, too much throughout um, the broadcast. I think he did, they did hit the over. If you guys saw my um, picks challenge versus um, t- um, the Hoop Talk pod yesterday, we did prop bets on the, the Simmons, um, the Simmons stuff. Um, I think only one of them actually came true, which was the um, the seven the seven times they said his name, which happened. But yeah, <laughs> it was like a pretty um, big deal for the Nets to win this one because they were able to like shut down James Harden pretty big, scoring eleven points only in this game. Embiid struggled a bit, but he went to the free throw on a bunch. But everyone in that Brooklyn Nets team just honestly just provided great stuff. You got Steph Curry scoring 24, Durant 25, Irving 22, 16 from James Johnson off the bench, 11 from Bruce Brown. It's been a massive, it's been a massive, um, a good trade for them, getting just a bit more depth. And I think this game just shows that even without Ben Simmons, even like to the rest of the league, the Brooklyn Nets right now are eighth, but they're still a title contender. They're still a title contender, even though they, they look like they're number eighth in the East. They're still that um, they're still that good, and they should 100 percent on be um, be feared whoever faces them in the first round. Because honestly, if they get the seven seed, because it's gonna be Raptors versus them probably in the play-in tournament. If they get the seven seed, I'm sorry, Milwaukee. It's it's gonna be a great series, but I don't know who's gonna come out on top. I honestly don't know. That's gonna be absolutely fun to watch. But yeah, I mean Ben Simmons. I mean back to Ben Simmons in this one. Um, he he was on the bench. Of course, got heckled a lot. Really didn't like there wasn't like too too much, um, and stuff talked about him. Like I'm not even sure if like the other stuff. Like I know he didn't like he didn't touch and beat or anything, which is kind of weird. But, but yeah, I mean it, been, it would have been a lot better if Ben Simmons was on the court. But maybe if they face in the playoffs, which is honestly a huge possibility, maybe we could see some like fireworks there. But he was on the bench, but he at least he was out there doing shoot around and stuff like that. He was there. He was there. Ben Simmons was <laughs> there, but. Um, there's going to be a lot more drama come playoff time. We're 100% sure of that. Moving on to the next, um, the next, um, bit of news. Season-ending injury, um, surgeries for both Lou Dort and Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish had to have surgery on a separated shoulder, shoulder, which will take him out six, eight weeks, which takes him to the end of the regular season. Um, he should be, um, he should be ready for summer workouts and stuff like that, so that is good. In terms of Lou Dort, he has been, like, like, week to week for a while now, but... Sadly for him, he's going to be out for the remainder season due to injury with a torn labrum. I think he should be fine for next season, but Ludor has been in and out of the lineup this year. He hasn't played as many games as um, as he has in years past. But hopefully the surgery do, does him well and he can be back for next year. I don't know if the, the, the Thunder is still going to be looking to come. Is going to be still tacky or not. We'll have to wait and see. But hopefully those two guys come back stronger in the off, um, next season. Next topic I want to talk to discuss is Bradley Beal leading towards re-signing with the Wizards for a four-year, five-year, two hundred forty-six million dollar deal. I think I mentioned it last week with Design Williams. Um, with the I think I think it was like last week with the Anthony Davis contract situation where he just signed a five-year deal before he turned thirty instead of waiting till thirty, getting the super max deal. That's what Bradley Beal did. That's what Bradley Beal did, and people were one wondering he has been in the Wizards for so long, and he's like. Why hasn't he requested a trade and all that and, and, and all that stuff, you know? But this is the moment he's been waiting for, the big pay, de- pay deal. And it looks like from both from both ends, from the way um, both sides are talking with the GM and Bradley Beal, it looks like they're basically going to do it in the offseason. He should be getting that super max extension. 
And for the same thing with Dame, I think he's going to get the same thing as well from the Trailblazers. I do want to say this. This is a, like before I, we move on to the final part. For, for both cases, like Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard, people are wondering they should leave. They're wasting their opportunity. They 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 need to be on championship contenders. They um they have to like ask for a trade out. And I know from a fan perspective that makes a lot a lot of sense. Bradley Beal, if you put him on the on the I guess before the James Harden trade, put him on the 76ers, perfect fit there. You put him on like another team where they need like a like maybe a second or third guy. Putting Bradley Beal there would honestly take them to the next level. Same thing with Damian Lord. Put him on the Lakers where LeBron is. He's a much better fit than, than Russell Westbrook. Put him on, I don't know, just any, like, a lot of these, like, other contenders. Maybe put him, like, say, for example, with... I want to give, like, an example. I don't want to, like, just say, like, um, a random team. Like, say put him on the Miami Heat. That would be massive for them. Put him on the, like, Brooklyn Nets. Okay, that's really random, but, yeah. You get my point. Put him on a different team. They would make those teams title contenders, and they would actually be competing. But why do they stay? Why do they stay? And I think Bradley Beal said this best. He they, he wants to build a like he wants to be part of the community building out there in Washington. Sitting with Damian Lillard, they want to like they have although like they play basketball, they do that for a living. They're still one of the best players in the league. They're still top players. There's other stuff in terms of family, in terms of like building communities, doing this other stuff outside of basketball that they want to do. And you know you just gotta respect it from it. You just gotta respect it. I mean. They have their whole lives for more than a decade for both these guys. In the cities that they're in, they've they made friends. They made, like, they've built a community. Like, they helped build a community there in those um, respective cities. Maybe they just want to stay and just continue that. They th- Like, maybe a championship is not their the number one aspiration. That's completely fine. I think it's just a weird mentality to have because a lot of these guys, when things don't go their way, they would ask for a trade immediately. But there's very few of these guys in the league with a Bradley Beal, with a Damian Lord. And yes, is it because of a massive contract extension ahead? Sure. But it really does feel like they want to like build something there. And if anything, if they want to win, they want to do it there more than, more than anything else. And honestly, you just got to respect it. You got to respect it. I know some people are going to be like, if the championship is not like your number one priority, then what are you doing in the NBA? And I get that. I think they still 100% want to be 100, like, NBA champions. That is their goal. But doing it in their community, in this place where they've like stayed for ten plus years, is something they would like they would rather have for sure. So, is it? Do I think that? Um, do I think it's a, the best decision? In a pure basketball sense, I would want to see him on a different team. But if he doesn't, if he wants to stay with the Wizards, go right ahead. At this point, I'm like, you know what? If this is like what they want to do, they if he really wanted to leave, he would have left by now. But he looks like he really wants to stay. I am. Um, I'm all for it. I'm not gonna say like no or yes to it. It's their life. They're the he's gonna sign a contract extension. He's gonna get the bread. But if you want to build something there in Washington, what's me like? What's us to stop it? You know. Last but not least, Kyrie Irving um, has hired a new agent by the name of Chatella Riley Irving, and from all reports, she's the only current um, black female representing NBA players right now. Um, I just want to say that it's great for Kyrie to like. Um, have some more diversity, like in terms of player agents, and just like him being able to like give, um, um, to just like, you know, like break down barriers and stuff like that. Kyrie Irving is all about that. Some people may disagree with the with the vaccination stuff that he's going by. Um, that's a completely different conversation. But him hiring a new like 
a new um, player agent who um, being like one of the only black females currently representing players is super cool. Um, again, he's going to be a max contract player anyway. So um, let's see what's going to happen there. Kyrie is all about trying to um, involve like like all the community and stuff. He is a big advocate for that. So it was super cool to see that. I just wanted to bring it up because I just found that super, super cool. But yeah, those are all the news and notes. Let me know down below what you guys think. And I think this is what we're going to do in today's episode. Thank you guys for watching and listening. Remember to show love on all the podcast channels. Like, share, and subscribe. Hit the notification bell if you're on YouTube. And remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And also TikTok for other awesome content. I'm going to be back next week to do another episode, which I'm going to be extremely excited about. Thank you guys for all the support. Um, I still have a couple more weeks of school, but after school, I'm definitely going to have some more guests here, especially during the NBA playoffs. I think that's going to be a definitely... Um, fun. I think it's going to be definitely exciting to discuss, so I'm excited for that. But yeah, it's going to be just like a great end to the season for the um, f- um, for the NBA. Let's see if we can keep the momentum going. And again, the MVP race is getting tough. I want to see like what you guys think down below. But yeah, thank you guys for all the support. Hope you fant- have a fantastic day. Take it easy, guys. TV signing out. Peace.